Today's Stripe Show podcast is brought to you by About Golf Simulators. And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Hope you, well, I hope you had a, a good weekend. If uh, you're a United States golf fan, you probably didn't have a great weekend. As uh, the United States Ryder Cup team went over to Rome, Marco Simone. All this hype build up and they go over there and they get whipped. Bottom line, they get their asses handed to them 16 and a half to 11 and a half. I didn't see that one coming. I'll be the first to admit. I didn't drink all of the Kool-Aid. Let's put that out there just to start with. I, I didn't drink all of the Kool-Aid like a, a lot of people did and that, hey, JT's the guy. We got to we gotta pick him. He's part of the boys club. And uh, we're going to go over there and we're united. We all like each other. And we're going to get the job done. And, uh, well, they fell flat on their face. And, and it kind of leaves you thinking, you know, because when you look at the Ryder Cup and you look at what happened, you know, a couple years past at Whistling Straits, it was just the opposite. The United States dominated 19 to 9. Now, a lot of those players that played in that Ryder Cup on both sides, let's be fair about it, uh, were not part of uh, this particular Ryder Cup over in, in Marco Simone. But nonetheless, you did feel like there was a little bit of momentum for a United States team. We were seeing in the President's Cup an improved international team. We saw it at the Ryder Cup up in Wisconsin. And so you, you, you were kind of like, okay, well, we'll play along. All right, I'll play along. Not a big fan of the boys club and, and the way that Zach Johnson went about making his picks, but I still felt like the United States would go over there and win. I thought they were the better team, top to bottom, certainly deeper. I just thought they were a better team. They had better players. And that, all right, pick JT, off you go. You guys want to be united? You want to make this a boys trip? All right, let's go make it a boys trip. And so I picked them to win. I did a big video there, put it on my Instagram, and, uh, well, it backfired. And, and here we are. So, you know, they all fly back. And, of course, all of us are trying to figure out, you know, what in the world happened? Why can the United States not go over into Europe and win 30-plus years it's going to be? It'll be 34 years the next time the Ryder Cup is played in Europe. I mean, it's just, it's really a head scratcher, right? Because they have had some success, of course, on United States soil. They were dominant at Whistling Straits. You get the sense that there is a, a small nucleus maybe here of players coming together. And then the United States does mean something to them, at least. The oxygen in the room is not being sucked out by a Tiger Woods or a Phil Mickelson. Like there, there does seem to feel like that, yeah, JT, Spieth, Xander Cantlay, Fowler, been in the mix a little bit. Here comes Scotty Scheffler. He fits right in there, Texas kid. All right, Sam Burns, Brooks. Yeah, we like Brooks. They love DJ, goes to live. He's no longer part of it. It just, it felt like there were some pieces certainly coming together, but the whole thing just fell apart. It was an ass kicking. 
embarrassment, really. I mean, you, when you think about it and you just you, you pull it back, it was it was embarrassing. <laughs> what happened um, with the United States going over there? So there's a lot to unpack here. And, and I've made, honestly, like I look at my, my, my sheets here, I've got pages and pages of notes as thoughts were coming to me uh, through the weekend. And so I, I might be kind of jumping around a little bit today. It's just me on a Monday. Keith Stewart's going to be back tomorrow. Thank you for being here. Sanderson Farms, we're going to be doing some different things on Tuesday as well. Uh, on the gambling show, we've been getting great feedback to that. We've got some new ideas that we're going to be trying out through the fall. And then uh, that show, for all intents and purposes, will be moving to Monday um as tiger and rory's league is going to be starting up at the first of the year on a monday i think you're going to be hearing more about that this week and so more than likely the gambling show will be moved to monday and uh, we'll be doing something a little different on tuesdays and then of course you know it will be getting the players on and the top teachers i've got a fun one uh scheduled for you this week so we go back to the Ryder cup over in rome marco simone i think it showed well it looks so much fun i'm going I am going to the Ryder Cup. I don't think I'm going to go to Beth Page. I want to go to Europe. I want to live it up over there. It was fun following some of my friends that were over there. And, and just, I mean, the energy of a Ryder Cup is, is just unmatched. It, it really is. I, I mean, you see so many things that happen at a, Ryder Cup, at a Ryder Cup that you just don't see at a regular PGA Tour event. And, and you can really see it, of course, more on the European side and those players and what it means to them. I, I do think it means something uh, to some players on the U.S. side. I think Max Homa as a rookie, it means something to him. He showed out uh, extremely well, the best-performing American player, 3-1-1. One, and one. I wasn't surprised. We talked about Max. I think he's perfect for this kind of stuff. I think he's the kind of player, the kind of mentality that, that you need to draw from as you look to put the pieces back together. That's the kind of player that we need. That attitude. Someone who can walk into the room and forget about all the success that they had individually and maybe all the goals that they have that's ahead of them, but at that point in time, be there for the team. Put your ego aside and be there for the team. I think it was John Rahm that was articulating that and how the European side does that so incredibly well. And I think this year, maybe more than years past, considering what has happened on the European side, Henrik Stenson, who was going to be the captain, and he went to live, and that was stripped, and then Luke Donald had to come in last minute, had, le had the least amount of time to prepare. Oh, by the way, you're... Uh, your best performers in, in Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia, all this experience. And you know what it means to them. You're not going to have them either. And so this year, Luke Donald takes that over. And I think he really had to draw on Rory and Rom, who were the, I think the two stalwarts, the two guys that, that he could trust the most from. Now, Victor Hovland, keep in mind, when Luke Donald took this over, really, his short game was still kind of a mess. Luke Donald, or excuse me, Victor Hovland was not the player at the time Luke took this over that he has become. Luke Donald arguably, uh, excuse me, Victor Hovland arguably 
just very well might be the best player in the world right now. He is a complete player. And you know what really hit me? And I, I'm looking at my notes here. And I want to make this point. What really hit me watching Victor Hovland play Colin Morikawa is just how just how much Victor Hovland has moved past Morikawa in, in his game. And Colin Morikawa is a two-time major champion. Now, it's been a while since he's won, and he's been kind of retooling his, I think, short game a little bit, and certainly his putting. And I do like some of the things that I'm seeing there. But Victor Hovland did a complete makeover, really, of his short game. I think his putting is better as well. And you now counter that with the best driver probably in the game. His iron game is maybe second to none. It's certainly top five, ten in the world. And Victor Hovland, all class when you look at it versus a Colin Morikawa. I mean, that was that was a beatdown. That was impressive. Victor Hovland, 3-0-1 on the week. Rory McIlroy. You know, kind of a mixed bag, really, for Rory in the Ryder Cups. We know what he means. He's had some incredible moments, but he's also, you know, he's he's been uh, he's been beat too. He he's looked poor in some Ryder Cups, and he was four one and zero, oh, the top player for the European team. So you go back to Luke, and he and he know that you have Rory and you have Rom. Victor was not who he is right now. You lose all of these stalwarts. These big-name, passionate players. Justin Rose also was a player at the time that, you know, wasn't the best version of himself, although Justin Rose, you know, had a lot of success in the Ryder Cup. Could he rely on Shane Lowry? Could he rely on Terrell Hatton? Could he rely on Tommy Fleetwood? Fitzpatrick, up to this point, 0-5-0. and zero. In the Ryder Cup. He knew he's going to have to get some rookies. He's going to have to make some tough decisions. Bobby McIntyre was a pick. Aberg. Young, young player. Hasn't even played in a major championship yet to this point. Sepp Straka. You know, so he, there were just so many question marks. So many question marks. And oh yeah, by the way, Luke. The European team got beat 19-9 to in America the last time they got together. And so Luke Donald takes over. Doesn't have the full two years to deal with. Thanks, Henrik. And it's just an absolute masterclass. A masterclass of leadership. I know Luke Donald a little bit. He did my podcast uh, last year. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, he listens to the pod a little bit, I think from time to time, and he sent me some short game stuff and it, it was a really cool podcast. Just, just really diving in on technique and, and all of that from who was a former world number one. People forget Luke Donald was a number one player in the world at one point. Now, I think the game kind of passed Luke by to some degree with the distance area. He was not a long hitter of the ball. Um, but he was a terrific player as well. And now you look at him as a captain, and I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone conduct the captaincy role better than Luke Donald to this point since I've been following the Ryder Cup. It was an absolute masterclass, starting with his vice captains. He brings on the Molinari brothers. 
Remember the name Eduardo Molinari, folks. He is really doing some terrific work. He is a statistician. His name needs to be said. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, his work, his deep analytics were very valuable to Luke Donald. And I, I really got the point, I really got the feeling with Luke that he got together with his vice captains, the Molinari brothers, uh, Nicholas Colsarts, Thomas Bjorn, and Jose Maria Othabel. And he had a lot of discussion about what needed to happen. And he empowered them to go out and make a difference on this team. They had some work to do. And they all had a role. And they reported back. They reported back with deep analytics. They reported back with players that they felt like could make a difference. We need to keep an eye on this young Ludwig Eberg. He's an up-and-comer. He's someone that I think would fit in what we're trying to do. He's someone that would play Marco Simone extremely well. This Robert McIntyre. Sepp Straka. Uh, who was the, uh, and then Nikolai Hogard, who was their, and, and Hogard was their, um, was their weakest player. No question. He was uh, zero, two, and one. So he didn't get a point. Straka one, two, and zero. Fitzpatrick did finally get a point, one, two, and oh. Aberg was two, two, and oh. McIntyre, two, zero, and one. And so those were some good picks. And it and, and didn't go without controversy either because Adrian Moronk was someone who won at Marco Simone and they left him off. Their captain's picks turned out pretty darn well, but you got the feeling that the captain's picks and everything that they were doing, there was some thought being put behind it. There was some analytics being put behind it, but there was also some opinion. I, I get the feeling from Luke that he was listening to his vice captains, he was taking it all in. He was taking the time to be a captain and making decisions based off of that information. And so he really came across prepared. He was prepared for every situation. I think he spoke with incredible confidence on the mic. Um, it just, it, it just, he and he really felt like. He was in control, and he, and the confidence that he was putting out there through his press conferences were meaningful. I could sense it. I could feel it. Like, Luke's in charge. They have a plan. They're confident uh, in their plan. He put some thought to how this team could come together. He knew that there, there needed to be some bonding here. And so when they went to Marco Simone for their practice rounds and this and that, they they set up a, a, a bonfire or a fire pit, whatever you want to call it. We call them bonfires up in Idaho, so excuse me. Anyway, a fire pit. And they all sat around and got to know each other a little bit. And there were multiple players that talked about this and what came of this and what they learned from one another. Rory talked about, hey, I've known this guy forever and I'm learning something about him. They took it serious. It wasn't just an exercise. It wasn't just a box to check. They took it serious. They they put everything that they've accomplished before and who they were and what made them who they are, they left it at the doorstep and they walked in and they were vulnerable and they were signing up 
for the task at hand, which is the European team. And you could just feel it from every single player um, in the press conference. I mean, it was just an absolute masterclass uh, by Luke Donald. Luke Donald did circles around Zach Johnson. And that's hard for me to say because I like Zach Johnson. I do. And I know the captains aren't hitting shots. I get that. They're not hitting shots. But he did circles around Zach Johnson. I mean, from the minute go, the initial press conference, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I, I, I'm sitting there and I'm listening to Luke Donald talk. And it's like, what? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is what we're putting out there as the captain of the United States Ryder Cup team to go over to Rome and win for the first time in 30 years. This is the guy that we're asking to bring together a group of guys for the betterment of the team and go over and win. It was a head scratcher from the minute go. It really was. I can remember texting Keith and I was like, WTF. Luke seemed prepared, in charge, had a plan. Zach, it always felt like he was kind of flying from the seat of his pants. I mean, he could barely complete a sentence for crying out loud. I mean, it was like, uh, mm, huh? Uh, both arms up on the table, leaning his head's in his hand. I mean, it's like we're at a, you know, a, a, a dive bar in Iowa. And keep in mind, you know, Luke Donald's taking over a team that was, that won 19 to nine. Keep in mind, he's taking over a team that really was starting, at least I felt, to come together to some degree, establish an identity, win in the President's Cup, win in the um, Ryder Cup. Maybe a young nucleus starting to come together. No Tiger, no Phil, no Patrick Reed. Yes, I think it did hurt a little to lose a Dustin Johnson. Maybe even a Bryson DeChambeau. Live golf certainly had its impact, I think, on both sides. But all the momentum is there. He had the best team. I mean, look, he has the best team. I didn't agree with the captain's picks and the good old boy mentality. I was very vocal about that. I didn't agree with it at all. I hate it. I hate the boys club mentality. We're taking him because he fits in. But you, you kind of get the feeling like, okay, maybe that's what they need. Maybe that is what they need. Maybe that's what the American culture needs for this to be successful. All right? Take JT. Take Ricky. Take Spieth. Should have took Smiley Kaufman, I guess. Or just get them all back together. Let's get that bond in the clubhouse. Get that bond in the room. And they were all quick to, to mention it, right? Like, yeah, well, this is this is the tightest group ever. I mean, how many times did we hear that, the players? We are the tightest group ever. It, I played on a lot of teams, and this is this group of 12 guys, we are tight. You know, another question goes by, yeah, we're tight. Yeah, we're tight. This group, it's the tightest group there is. I mean, how many times did you hear that? I mean, you know, you almost feel like you're being sold it, right? Like, we got to check that box. We got to tell these people that we're, we're a tight group. Yep. Usually when people are telling you something over and over and over again, like there, there's, it's probably not the case, you know? And so 
off they went. They went over to the boys club. Not without drama, though, right? There's always going to be drama on the U.S. side starting to leak out now. You got uh, Xander's dad, I think, kind of talking about how um, there was some rift between Xander and the PGA and wanting to know where the money should go. Cantlay wanting to be paid to play. He's livid about that. Apparently with Brooks, he's got this um, clause uh, with LIV that he makes the right. They make the Ryder Cup. It's another $3 million. And so, you know, you're getting the sense now that Xander and Patrick want to be paid. They want to be paid to go over and play. Joe LaCava. <laughs> I'll tell you, I that video of Joe LaCava, Cantley's caddy, on Saturday, <laughs> waving his hat. <laughs> Joe, I've never met Joe LaCava, but I... I, I think I, I think Joe Lacava is is I like Joe Lacava just from what I've seen and and very little heard. I mean, he's usually doesn't say anything and kind of stays under the radar. I mean, he's Tiger's caddy for crying out loud. I'm sure Tiger Tiger had to laugh, right? I mean, he had to. And it, it was like this moment where it looked like Lacava lost his mind. I mean, he lost his mind. Cantley, incredible putt on 17 and 18 gave him a fighting chance going into Sunday and Lacava's waving his hand and he goes back in the middle of the green and Rory's trying to, he's trying to putt. <laughs> and Lacava's standing there. I mean, what in the world is going on and why, why is Luke Donald, or excuse me, why is Zach Johnson in the way of guys trying to hit shots? It like happened three times. I think it was on Friday. What is going on? And so they go over there and they and and they lose foursomes, right? I mean, that's the Achilles heel. We know it. It's the Achilles heel. You can't go 4-0 Friday morning. You can't. Now, I, I chalk up some of this to, look, the Europeans, obviously they played better. I mean, they made more putts. They, um, they, they, they're chipping in. And, and there's certainly some element of that. There's no doubt about it. But it does feel like, like when you watch this over there, like there's a reason why that these guys on the European side who are not as good of players from top to bottom. Now, Rory, Rom, uh, Victor, yes, those dudes, three of the top four players in the world. You start going down past that, you, you can't convince me that they're, that they're as good as what you're, you're running across on the U.S. side. You just can't convince me. I mean, you're, the, 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 the captain's picks on the U.S. side are, are major championship winners, are multi-winners uh, on the PGA Tour. And so you're, you're, you're watching this, right? And, and you're like, okay, we're getting our ass handed to it by, by, by a team that is not as good as we are. They're just not. They're not as talented 1 to 12, and they're just beating our head in like a drum. And I'm watching guys play at a level that is above and beyond in so many ways of who they are. For example, Justin Rose. Justin Rose was the best putter of anyone, I think. I think Stroke St. Pine, I think he was the best putter of anyone on either side. Justin Rose is not a great putter. 
And yet you're sitting there and, and, and you're watching him. And he's making everything. Terrell Hatton, 3 one Played awesome. Tommy Fleetwood, never won on the PGA Tour. Gets in this format, 3-1-0. Robert McIntyre, I mean, the dude was on cloud nine. Played terrific, 2-0-1. Aberg, I'm not surprised, 2-2-0. Two, two Lowry had his moments. He seems to elevate at the biggest moments. Matthew Fitzpatrick goes out and what, birdies the first five and eagles the next? I mean, like they, all these things that they do on the European side, although when you, when you say one of them on the surface, okay, yeah, they sat around a fire pit. Oh, that was the difference, Travis? Okay, so they went and all played in the, um, uh, in the, in the Italian Open. That was the difference, Travis, because they all played in that and, and, and the Americans took four or five weeks off. That was the difference. Like you say all these little things and then just like one of them on the surface, it's like, okay, well, yeah, maybe that's not, that's not the reason. But then you add them all up and the accumulation and the way that Luke Donald went about his captaincy and all these things, they add up. They just add up. And you can see it. They, they, they play out of their minds in some way. And, I, and I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I hope Luke Donald's the captain again when they come back over here. And I hope he has this these two years and, and he's going to uh, he's going to think about this and what needs to happen as they come over to the United States. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think this team comes from the United States and they are going to give the Americans a handful. Now, I don't think they can, I don't think they'll win. But I didn't think they would win 16 and a half to 11 and a half in Europe. And, and, and look, you know, it, it's, you got the crowd against you over there. I get it. And they're crazy. And it's, it's amazing to watch. But I think also part of this masterclass with Luke was the way that they use Marco Simone. I'll, I'll be honest. And I talked about it in, in on the podcast. Like I, I didn't think that the course would be as much of a um, – I didn't think it would play into their hands as much at Marco Simone as what we've seen in the past. I, I just didn't. Um, a lot of these guys, most all these guys play in the United States. They live in the United States. They play on the PGA Tour. Their game is through the air, et cetera, et cetera. But by God, I, the way they set this course up, the – Obviously, you knew there was going to be some rough. Um, I think they used the dog legs to their advantage. The, the way that they they wanted a lot of shots to happen in that 180 to 190, I think, range and mid-iron play. And just the amount of putts that they made. I mean, they, they, they used that course beautifully. The short par fours, um, the long par fours kind of forcing the hands with some mid irons into it. And that was the advantage statistically that they had. And the, again, a lot of those deep analytics, I think played a role in this. I don't think it's everything, but I think it's, it's part of it. And so look, I, I know the guys hit a shot and I know I've, I've, I've focused a lot of this podcast on the captain work, but by God, it just felt like Luke Donald did circles around Zach Johnson from the very first press conference to um, his 
incredible opening speech and the amount of Italian that he put out there and, and the fire pit uh, and getting these guys to bond the deep analytics, the captain's picks, leaning on Rory, leaning on Rom, who was 2-0-2, bringing in this next nucleus of young players and Aberg and, uh, and, and Hogard and trying to get a little out of Fitzpatrick, relighting the fire with Justin Rose. I need you, Tommy Fleetwood. I need you, Terrell Hatton, 3-0-1. Masterclass. Did circles around Zach Johnson. And when the competition started... And, and you start looking at these decisions that were being made. It just continued. I mean, it, it, it just continued with the decisions that you're seeing from Luke's side versus the decisions that you're seeing from Zach Johnson's side. HackMotion is an innovative wrist analysis sensor and app that measures players' wrist and hand movement in the golf swing. With audio feedback and different drill modes, it offers the capability to improve players' wrist mechanics in the golf swing to provide a better club face control and impact position. Hack Motion can be used for both full swing and putting to cover all golf shots. Hack Motion is used by some of the top golf coaches today around the world. Visit hackmotion.com. The idea of running Spieth back out there on Saturday twice is just absurd. There is no analytic data that's going to say, look, based off of what we just watched Spieth on Friday, let's run him back out there with JT again on Saturday morning. Oh, okay, okay, we'll do a Saturday morning. But then again on Saturday afternoon, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? with that kind of decision-making. It just makes zero sense. I talked about it going in. I was worried about Spieth going over there. You know, I got the stats right here. We were talking about, hey, is this a course fit? Jordan Spieth, total driving, 112. Approach, 66. Putting, 80th. Now, I know the Spieth-JT combination has been pretty good in the past, but this isn't the same JT. I think we made that pretty evident. It's not the same Justin Thomas. Didn't even make the playoffs. And so you start going to the American side, right? And you start looking at some of these records. And it's not very good. It's not very good. Jordan Spieth, 0-2-0. Ricky Fowler, 0-2-0. Justin Thomas, 1-2-1. Everybody's like, yeah, Justin Thomas, great pick. He's playing great over there. Pfft, come on. Justin Thomas played like a dog Saturday. He backed it up Sunday. It was a nice singles win there. But Justin Thomas hasn't played great golf all year. The fact that he was picked was silly. The only reason he was picked because of the boys club. That's it. Silly. It's not even a great course fit. Even for him. Total driving, 66. Approach, 44. Putting, 144. And so we run him over there, and he's going to play with Spieth, right? It's been a, it's been a formal. I, I get it. I get the logic there, but you don't even you don't even play him. Um, you don't even play him on Thursday, yeah, Friday morning. Then you throw him out Friday afternoon. Spieth all over the place. Yeah, let's try it again Saturday morning. 
all over. Let's try it again Saturday afternoon. I mean, it's just, it's just absurd. And come to find out the the Scheffler Kepka pairing, which finished, uh, they got whipped nine and seven, was kind of a last minute impulse thing as well. And so you just felt like Luke was just, it's just flying by the seat of his pants. And like he's being ran out there as an extension of the locker room. He's one of the boys. And he just, it, his job is more about uh, just accommodating. Let's get everybody there. Let's make sure they got what they need. Let's coddle them, make sure they're comfy. And we're good, right? We're good. That, this, is, this is kind of the way we do things. Don't rock the boat. Least passive resistance. And we're going to go out and play. And, and we're, and we're going to be fine. JT and Spieth are boys. Scheffler's the number one player in the world. And it just doesn't work that way over there. It just doesn't. And, and shame on me for thinking, wow, gosh, all right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And I, I know on paper they're the best. They're the better players. They're the better, you know, one through 12. Like that's going to play out. Nope. No. I mean, all, all this stuff that I just talked about, Luke, it matters, folks. It does over there. It just, it matters over there. And I don't think it matters as much on U.S. soil because they play a course that's, you know, kind of accommodating to them. They're on their own states. You know, it's just, it's a little bit easier to roll out. And I think the, the better player does kind of play out more so in U.S. soil. But over there, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. So does the whole thing need to be blown up? I don't know if the whole thing needs to be blown up, but it, it but there's certainly there there certainly has to be some changes here in in the preparation of what is transpiring the decisions in foreign soil. And you can't just run out Zach Johnson as an extension of it, who I don't think really for, at least from in comparison to Luke, Luke looked at it like he was looking at it as this was his job. And it was an honor to him to, to do this job, even though he didn't have the proper amount of time to do it. He was honored to do it. And he was going to put together the vice captains that made the most sense that could give him information over a period of time to make the most appropriate decisions. Where Luke Donald just felt like, yeah, I know I've got the best team. They won 19 to 9 in the past. And I'm just going to go out there and, yeah, we're ready to go. Yeah, we're ready to go. Our preparation is we're going to come over a couple weeks before and we're going to play. Only nine came. Spieth had a kid. And, 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 of course, Xander and Patrick. More on Xander in a minute. And they don't make it over. And, yeah, they all bonded, right? Yeah, we're close. We are a close team. JT couldn't even answer the question. I mean, they're, they're asking, like, you know, what makes us the closest? I'm like, geez, I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know what's. Uh, was he's like Brooks? I couldn't. Uh, Brooks is a Texas fan. <laughs> and then Max said, "Hey guys, let's watch Cal. That starts it." I mean, it's just crazy. And then after the fact, they're all taking pictures with Brooks in Smash T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, tight group. Tight group. Very authentic, right? Very real. Very authentic. You think those guys are? Uh, leaving their uh, ego and reputation uh, at the doorstep when they walk in and say, "Hey, I'm here. I'm you know, look, man. Let's just let's let's figure out how to bring this together and find our own chemistry." And I think as as you start looking at like what needs to happen, like I don't I don't think they need to to like try to replicate what the Europeans are doing. I think they need to find like 
what is it that the USA team needs to do? What, what feels right? What's authentic? What is something that players are going to respond to when it comes to over and foreign soil? And I think there's probably a couple organizations that need to get involved in that. The PGA tour, certainly with the schedule and this and that. I mean, I look, I I'm sensitive to the fact that players are playing a lot of golf. Like I get that, but you can't convince me from a preparation standpoint, if this is supposed to mean something that not playing four or five weeks of competitive golf is the best way to prepare. Like you can't convince me that one of these guys is going to look at me and say, Hey, yeah. Um, I'm going to go play in uh, the major championship over in, in Europe. And I'm not going to play for five weeks because that's what prepares me the best. How many of those 12 would say that's what they're going to do? No. Now I know two of them played at the Fortnite and, and maybe they need to make, maybe they need to make something in the Fortnite is kind of an opportunity to bring them. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. But you're going to have a hard time convincing me that the boys club is the best way to pick a team and preparing in a way that not everybody even goes over and plays the course and that most of them don't even play for four or five weeks before they show up. Like that's just, You're not going to convince me that's the best way to prepare. You're just not going to. Attention golfers, if you're looking to upgrade your game with a set of high-quality clubs that are blazing fast, beyond forgiving, and beautifully made, check out the all-new PXG Gen 6 Golf Clubs. Not only are they easy to hit, they deliver outstanding distance and incredible accuracy, lowering your scores and bringing you more fun on the golf course. What more could you want? Schedule your Gen 6 fitting today at pxg.com or by calling 844-PLAY-PXG. So they got some work to do, right? They got some work to do. And, and I think, you know, the, the captaincy, like who's the captain? Who are the vice captains? What are they doing? What the hell is Davis Love the Third, Ferrick, Stricker, Couples, and Saint? What are they doing? You know, what, what, what value are they bringing to Zach Johnson? What value is the vice captain bringing over a period of time? Do they know the players? Do they spend time with the players ahead of time and, and report back on, hey, I'm kind of getting a sense that this should be a guy we should look at. I'm kind of getting a sense that this guy's uh, more concerned about being paid and more concerned about X, Y, and Z than he is about being a part of the team. Like, we got to start making some decisions, especially when we go overseas, on who in the hell wants to be there and what reasons are they there for in the first place, right? I mean, we got to start making some decisions here based off this stuff. It can't be just, hey, JT's cool, man. He's cool. He's funny. That dude's funny. He's funny. Let's bring him in the locker room. I like JT. I love JT. I think he's in it for the right reasons. I do. But it's just, but it just, it doesn't, like, you just watch the way it played out this year and Zach as the captaincy, and, and I think, unfortunately, but, but deservedly so he's going to get beat up in the media and is the fall guy for this. And I hope that is, he's just not the fall guy in the standpoint that, yeah, it's Zach's fault. He didn't put us in position and we're just going to now run Stuart sink out there or Jim Farrick or whoever the next person is. And we're not going to, we're, we're cool. We're good. We're good. Cause we're not, especially over there. We're not, it's not a team. 
they're not bonded. And their their analytics um, and the and, and the way they're making decisions on captains' picks to who they're running out there um, to play four ball and four sums. It's not deep. It's not it's not deeply based on that. Maybe some of it is. And if it is, you can't tell me that the captain's listening to that through and through because there's no way in hell Jordan and JT are going to be ran out there over and over and over again. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And so you add it all up, and they get whipped 16 and a half to 11 and a half. The answer is moving forward, I think, be interesting as it all settles to do a show on that, bring some people in that I think could add some value and context to that from the captaincy to vice captains, what their role is over a period of time, how scheduling works into that, what that chemistry might look like, the steps you start to take to, to, to create your own chemistry. I do know one thing, and I'll finish with this. We need more players like Max Homa, not just because Max was the best performer, three, one, and one, but I do think the mentality and the makeup of Max is what we need. Uh, I think Max has the ability to walk in and say, hey, guys, I'm going to be, I'm here for the team, unselfish nature of the team. I do think Max would do things throughout the year for the betterment of the team. That kind of mentality, that kind of game is what I, I think the American team needs. I, what I don't think they need on the other side is the mentality of Xander Shoffley. I just, I don't. You know, I've been critical of Xander over the last couple of years. Um, Xander's a wonderful player. He's had some success, obviously, in team competition, and particularly with Patrick Cantlay. But this stuff that's coming out post with with Xander, I mean, it's just it's it's just such BS. You know, I mean, look, if 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 you're concerned about something, and and what and if it's something about like not being paid, and whatever it is, like whatever you're concerned about, that's going to weigh on you that much. I mean, you look at Xander Shoffley; he didn't want to be there. Like Xander Shoffley didn't want to be there this week. You can't convince me. One three and zero. Oh. I watched Xander play. Xander played scared. Xander played like he didn't want to be there. That mentality, great player. But that mentality, that attitude, get it out of there. Weed it out. That's what I would do. I would have a clause in there for a captain that can show some true leadership and say, you know what, guys? I want dudes that want to be here. Okay? And here's what's going to be needed to be here over the next two years. And you start laying that out. Very organized plan. Some things that we're going to do when we're all together that we can start building a little bit of a bond and relationship. As a captain, I can start understanding a little bit more about you. My vice captains are going to start spending some time with you. They're reporting back to me. And I want to know what the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup, whatever, but just particularly the Ryder Cup over there, what it means to you. What does it mean to you? And if it's not way up there on the list and you're not willing to do these things, then I don't want you on my team. I don't. I don't want you on my team. 
If your concern is schedule, if your concern is you're not getting paid, if your concern is X, Y, Z, whatever it is, and that's a looming thing and it's a reoccurring and I'm getting the sense from my, my, from, from myself or from my vice captains that those things are in the way, fine. Don't be on the team. I need more people like Max Homa. And although I didn't think Justin deserved to be there, I didn't think he was playing well at all. His game is not in good shape. You saw it again over there. You do need that mentality like Justin Thomas. I think it means something to Justin. I think it means something to Spieth. And so I'd start there. The makeup of the player and where does the Ryder Cup mean to you? And pick a captain that can get in front of the microphone and that can articulate that plan. Articulate a plan. Articulate a message. Show some confidence. Show some leadership. Think outside the box. Rather than just going up there and, uh, yeah, so we, um, so it's, so the decision-making is, it all, it all, you know, we all, we think about a lot of things. It all goes in, and like the analytics, and I'm not even sure I understand the analytics, but it's all part of it. And so that's, you know, that's where we, um, that's where we make the, yeah, the decision. Like, come on, man. Like, seriously, that's the best we can do. Again, this is, I, I love Zach John. He's a great, great guy. He is. Notice Coach Mike Benefret. They're great people. This is the way it is, man. You sign up to be the captain of the Ryder Cup, and you go over there, and your boys are unprepared, and they come out 0-4-0, and Scotty Scheffler doesn't even look like the same version of himself. I mean, who is that? Scotty Scheffler, Xander Schauffele going through the motions, playing scared, Hatgate with Patrick Cantlay, LaCava's stumbling around like he's had too many. Embarrassing. The only way to put it, embarrassing. That's the Ryder Cup. Wrapped up, not talking about it anymore. Thanks for being here. Stripe Show Podcast. We're back tomorrow. Race long, season-long race, FedEx Cup, Sanderson Farms. Best bets with my man, Keith Stewart. See you.